Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We're laborers together with Him, the Bible says, but it's God that giveth the increase. Many, many, many have prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted down on to generation after generation. And we're seeing the fruit of their labor in this generation. You go back to Old Covenant times, Old Testament times, and you see the fruit of the labor of the men of old. Men like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. And you see them getting before the Lord and set in their hearts to seek His face and to give forth the word of life. And they didn't enter into the promise, not while they were on the earth. But they desired to see the things that we see and hear the things that we hear that they could have entered into. Thank God that they're in it now, but blessed be God, we are a chosen people. A chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation before our God. They have desired to hear what we hear and see what we see and to have what we have as they lived on this earth. But they couldn't obtain it. But we can. Oh, if we were were to understand what generation we live in. Amen. What a generation we live in. In Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, if in case you're not with us, we're talking about the parable of the sower and the seed. And... It is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, 13th chapter, in the Gospel of Mark, the 4th chapter, and the Gospel of Luke, the 8th chapter. We got the bulk of our information through Matthew's Gospel, relating the other two Gospels with it. And now we've swung over to Mark's Gospel, the 4th chapter. Let's just read through the latter part of the parable. Let's read from verses 14 right on through 20. The sower soweth the word. Mark 4, 14. The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. Our Father, thank you for the anointing that's upon your word. In Jesus' name it shall minister life unto the hearer. Amen. And amen. Now, we, we discussed most of the different ways that the devil comes to take the word out of our hearts. But we saw that throughout this parable, he's describing to us how the word of God will work in the heart of man. If the heart of man is conditioned according to the Word of God and according to the fruit of of the Spirit of God in our spirit, bearing that same fruit, which we're going to see today. Now, he's talking to us about how the Word works in the spirit of man, and it cannot enter into the man except by the channels of the ear and the eyes of our understanding. And he's not talking about the physical understanding, but he's talking about the spiritual understanding of our eyes and ears. Now, in order to gain entrance into our spirit, we have got to give consent to the Word. If we do not, then the Word has no way to enter into our hearts. If we turn away from the Word or reject the Word or denounce the Word or say that the Word does not work, then the Word does not have access to entering into our spirits. It's our responsibility as born-again Christians to allow the Word of God to enter into our spirits And it's our responsibility to put it into our spirits. Your ears can hear and your eyes can see the wrong things. 
And that's why this world is so programmed against the Word of God. There's a lot of Bible-believing Christians that don't get into their Bibles like they should. Or listen to the Word like they should. Or look, keep their eyes on the Word as they should. But yet profess to be Christians. Well, let's see something here. This Word cannot work unless it's in where? In our spirit. We're going to go on and study the spirit of man. We're going to see some things about it. But right now, in order for that word to bear fruit or to yield the fruit of righteousness, it has got to be sown inside the heart of the believer. Just as any seed cannot produce fruit unless it's planted in the ground, the same way the word cannot produce fruit. We said the word is incorruptible. We said your heart has got to be conditioned. And that's why Jesus gave us all these different conditions of the heart of man. Now, in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, let's go there just for a moment. Keep your place in Mark 4. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the only way the Word is going to get into our spirits and overcome our physical senses is through the reason of use of God's Word. Hebrews, the fifth chapter, this is God's plan and purpose for every born-again Christian, for everybody that professes the name of Jesus Christ. In the fifth chapter of the book of Hebrews, let's begin reading with verse 11. Remember, the Word cannot fail to produce if it's in your heart. If it's not in your heart, then you will fail to produce the fruit of that Word or the fruit of righteousness. If the Word enters into your heart and you allow the devil to choke it out, five ways which we're going to see here. We've talked about four of them already. And then, then the Word will not produce because your heart failed to produce the Word. The Word cannot fail itself, but you can fail in your heart. In the 11th verse of this 5th chapter, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of what? Dull of hearing. Sluggish to hear. You're dull of hearing. Hearing and hearing and hearing, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Dull of hearing spiritually. You can ask most people after they hear the Word of God preached, well, what was said? And the only thing that they find out, they don't, they don't find out what the Scriptures were. A lot of people don't find out what was said spiritually. They just know when, the, when someone gave a testimony about something, that's, all, that's the only thing they remember about a sermon. A testimony was given, or the preacher didn't say something that I, that I liked or something like that. That's what they find. They take one of the bad points, or two of the bad points, or something that didn't set right with them, and they magnify that, but they don't hear the Word of Truth. That's right. Let's not be dull of hearing. Forget it. We're all going to make mistakes, but forget it. Praise God. The Bible says to just keep right on pressing on. Keep on going with the Word of God. Keep on continuing in God's Word. Don't be dull of hearing. I've heard many people say about many great men of faith, well, all they do is just say the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing, not by having heard and having heard and having heard. Right? What do you want them to say over and over again? Why do you think we got in the religious tradition? Why do you think most men behind pulpits don't preach the Word of God? Because they got tired of saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over. But God said the same thing once and that's it. He's not changing it. Amen. He's not changing it for you. He's not changing it for me. If you're going to preach, preach the Word. Preach the Word. He took Paul told Timothy, preach the Word. Just the Word. Just the Word. Not your feelings. Not your intellect. Not something you learn at some seminary somewhere or some cemetery somewhere. Preach something that you heard from the Word. And let the Word prevail. Isn't that right? Well, he said they're dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and, of not, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in what? You're unskillful in the word of righteousness. Listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. The devil's coming to destroy you. And those five ways we saw back there in Mark's gospel, Matthew's gospel, those five ways he's coming, he's coming intellectually. He's coming with all the smarts he has, which isn't too much. When you get the wisdom of God in you. But he's coming at you. And if you're going to understand how to use the word, you're going to have to be skillful. How would you like to get a carpenter to come over to your house and and add an addition to your house and doesn't know anything about the skill? 
And you got boards sticking out every which way but loose. Nails not put in all the way. I mean, you wouldn't like that, would you? He said, you've got to be skillful in the word of righteousness because the wisdom of God is far greater than the wisdom of this world or of Satan. So if you're going to use that word, you're going to use it wisely. And we're going to talk about the wisdom of God, not too far in the future. How to get God's wisdom, how to use God's wisdom, how to be skillful in the word. And he went on to say... For he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. The full, the fullness. We are to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We are to allow our spirit being, our spirit man, grow up into the fullness of him. And as it does, we're going to be, and he tells you how to do it. Let's, let's read the rest of it first. Even those who by reason of use... My reference says that is by the reason of habitual use. By the reason of habitual use of the word of righteousness. Anybody got a habit out there? Always doing something? Your habit should be the word of God. How habitual should we be in the Word of God? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we're going to find out in a minute. Listen, by the reason of use, have their senses, their physical senses, exercised to discern both good and evil. And the thing that's wrong in the church world, they don't know what's right and wrong. They don't know what's good and evil. They don't know what comes from God and what comes from the devil. They talk about him like he doesn't exist, but he does. If he didn't exist, Jesus lied in Mark 4. Because he said, Satan cometh immediately to do what? To steal the word from your heart. Do you want to know why all your friends and neighbors and etc. etc. that say, I don't know why you're making it such a rough, rough life, this Christian life. I never have any problems with the devil. Do you know why they talk like that? Because they never get the word into their hearts. So the devil doesn't have to attack them to steal anything from there. There's nothing there to steal. But I guarantee you, you start to walk in the Word of God. And the moment you get the seed inside your heart, you better look out because May Day's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And it's only going to be victory if you know how to use the Word skillfully. If you don't know how to use the Word skillfully, then look out, friend, because He's going to steal it from you. The attack is on God's Word. And he's going to attack anybody that will attempt to take the Word and put it inside their heart. Because if he allows that Word to grow, he has no defense in your life. None whatsoever. Now, that's the good part. He cannot defend himself when the Word is big in your heart. These five ways that he comes, he's coming at everybody. And if, he, if he's a... Let's put it this way. It's not that you'll get to a place that He never comes. It's that you'll get to a place that when He comes, you will have outgrown the afflictions, the persecutions, the cares, the deceitfulness, and the lust of other things. You'll have grown to a place spiritually that they mean nothing to you, and the power of God in you is bigger than the circumstances of life. And when He comes, He'll have to flee from you as in terror. Look out. Now, he said habitual use. Go back to Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. How habitual is he talking about? I quote this many times, but should you think that I'm quoting you from the wrong Bible, I'll have you turn there with me and see just how God wants his children. This is the fifth book of the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy. I'll give you time to get there. Remember, I didn't write the book. Amen? Now listen. This is how habitual. He wants us to be in the Word of God. He wants it to become such a habit. A habit is something you can't help doing. Isn't that right? Well, they just got this habit of doing what? Some people just got a habit of, of doing certain things. It's just habit. They do it all the time. They do it... Not think, they don't think when they do it. It just happens. They just do it. They just do it. They just do it. They just do it. Okay? Here's what he says. Let's start with verse 1 of Deuteronomy 6. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments 
which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. That's a commandment of God. Listen, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear ye therefore, O Israel, hear ye. In the parable of the sower, he said, take heed how you hear. He said, hear ye therefore, O Israel, and we are spiritual Israel, and observe to do it. Why? That it may be well with you, and that you may increase mightily, and as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel. Here he goes again. Hear. Hear, he's saying. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Take heed what you hear. Hear. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now listen. And these words. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And thou shalt... Teach them. And the, the Hebrew word, therefore, teach, you're going to love this one, thou shalt engrave them. Teach them. Thou shalt engrave them. Listen to what he's saying. Diligently unto your children. Engrave this word upon your child's heart. And shalt talk about them. Listen when. When thou sittest in your house, when you walkest by the way, when you liest down, when you risest up. Now, right there is why most people are defeated in their Christian walk. When they lie down, they've lied down with the television programs, with the newspaper articles, with the magazines. And with everything else that was in the course of a day. And when they lie down, they wonder why their sleep's not sweet. Well, that's why. He said, when you lie down, lie down meditating on the Word of God. When you rise up out of your bed. People want to know why? Well, it looks like here's one of them days again. Why? Because when you rose up, you didn't meditate on the Word of God. You didn't talk about the Word of God. The first thing from your lips should say, This is the day that the Lord hath made. I rejoice and be glad in it. It's the first thing that should come out of our mouth. I will rejoice in the Word of God today. Now, he's laying down principles and instructing us as to how to live victoriously, and not only live victoriously, but he went on to say how to make sure that our entire life is long, prosperous, healthy, everything you can think of, everything you can imagine. Let's go on. Thou shalt bind them, what? My words, for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. In other words, the word shall be in the forefront of your mind at all times. At all times. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Every Hebrew boy had to know the first five books of the Bible by memory. He had to quote the Word. These people believed that God meant what He said, and they made sure that their children was taught diligently the Word of God, only from a mental standpoint. That's where the sad part was. They did not give it to them spiritually. They brought it to them mentally. And we're not to understand the Word with our head, but with our hearts. Isn't that right? Okay, so let's see here. What happened? And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. He went on to say, and we'll get back to this later, but that's where he wants the Word. He wants the Word in your life first place. He wants the Word in the forefront of your mind. He wants you to talk about it and to think about it at all times. At all times. Every available moment, every moment your mind has. You say, that sounds a little bit fanatical. You're right. You're right. He never said that this would work any other way. He didn't say you can serve God and mammon both. He never said you could have the pleasures of this life and let them be first in your life and obtain the pleasures of righteousness. He didn't say that. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Those things will be added unto you. 
You'll profit in this life. There's no question about it. But you won't profit doing it the wrong way. So the Word has got to be diligent in our hearts. Diligently. That Word has got to be sought out. Earnestly. Standfastly. We've got to stay in the Word of God. Go back now to Mark's Gospels. I said we get there. We're going to finish this someday. But that's all right. It might be in a month from now. But that's all right. I'm going to get back to Deuteronomy. We're going to see something a little bit later. But I want you to see, first of all, about the diligence in the Word. Now, if you don't want to do what he said right there, then don't go to somebody and say, this Word doesn't work. Don't say that. Just say that I'm too lazy to read the Bible. You say, that's pretty hard. Well, you know what? You know what Jesus said? He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will. He didn't say, if you abide in me and gun smoke abides in you. (laughs) Or the doctors. Or the daily newspaper. Now, I didn't go off and say it was wrong to do any of that stuff. All I said was, what's abiding in you? Whatever you put in there is what's going to abide in there. That's what he said. And you'll go on as we see this a little bit further on. He got so, he got so, you think that I get fanatical. He got so fanatical, he said, every idle word you speak. Every idle word you speak, you'll give account of on the day of judgment. Matthew 12, chapter. Don't believe me? Read it. Jesus said, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof. Idle means non-working, ineffective word that you speak shall be given account of on the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. That's Matthew 12, chapter, verses 36, 37. You can read it for yourself. Well, let's go back to Mark 4. We're beginning to see that there are five ways that Satan comes to take away the Word out of your heart. Before you can start to produce... Someone says, I've been studying this. I've been hearing faith. I've been studying the Word. I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to do that. They don't realize that the first process of getting the Word to work in your life is to establish your heart and to weed out all the garbage, to get rid of all the sticks and the stones, and to fertilize the ground of your heart, get rid of all that stuff, fill it up with the good things of God, and then begin to bring forth the Word in your life and the fruit of righteousness in your life. We've got to realize that. It's not going to work overnight. No one ever said it works overnight. Nobody plants a seed into the ground and expects to have fruit overnight. Do you? But Jesus is saying the principles of the kingdom of God all hinge on this example that He's using here. The Word... Being sown, taken care of, making sure that all everything that's inside that ground is perfect, making sure that the heart is, is fixed, making sure that everything inside that heart is good and ready to produce fruit. Then the seed can work inside that person's heart. If your heart is not that way, then you're going to locate yourself in one of these in these here different areas, one of these conditions that he shows. If your heart is not set right to find out where you're missing it, and start to put in the ingredients that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So he says over here in Mark, we start, started with 17. He said affliction, persecution. And then in verse 19, he said deceitfulness, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. When they enter in, when they enter in, what do they do? Okay, when they enter in. We said the purpose of the word is to do what? To enter into your heart. Okay? Afflictions, persecutions, cares, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things can also enter into your heart. How do they enter in? The same way the Word enters in. The eyes of your understanding and those things that you hear. People are always listening to all the bad things that are happening in the world. And they get so caught up into these things that fear holds, gets a hold of them. Where does fear come from? Fear comes out of your spirit, doesn't it? 
I mean, when you got frightened from something, you didn't grab your leg. Did you? You went... Like that. Came out of here, didn't it? Okay? The Bible says the forces of life come out of where? Our heart. Our spirit. So it's what you put into your spirit is what's going to come out of your spirit. God has nothing to do with it. Other than He established the law. He established the way. He established His principle. Now, those forces are in your power. The power of life and death are in the power of your tongue. So keep your heart diligently, he said. Keep it diligently. Now, these five things that Satan comes against us with have got to be smaller in our lives than the Word of God that's in our lives. If they are, you'll have the power. You must develop, in other words, your heart through the righteousness of God to overcome affliction, persecution, the cares. Let's back up. How do we overcome affliction or tribulation? Through endurance and patience. Endurance. Knowing that the trying of our faith worketh patience. We must endure through patience. In other words, the force of patience must be developed in my heart in order to be able to overcome affliction when it comes. I must be able to endure. Now listen. Patience is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that? Patience is a fruit of the Spirit that's got to be developed in your heart. Now, I'm getting away from, it, from physical things. Let's get away from healing. Let's get away from, from prosperity. Let's get away from the things that are in this earth right now. Let's talk about spiritual things. Mainly, this parable is talking about spiritual things. Because if you'll get to the root of it, the root of your problem, get to the root, get the spiritual thing inside your heart, the physical thing will take care of itself. You produce the fruit, okay, the fruit of patience in your heart. Then you'll be able to endure when persecution comes. You produce the fruit of joy in your heart. The affliction is to the endurance. The persecution, you must have the joy. When you are persecuted, what did Jesus say to do? Count it joy, rejoice, and be exceedingly glad. Joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. How developed is joy in your human spirit? A little bit? 30? 60? 100 fold? Okay, how am I going to develop that? We'll see this a little bit later on. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but praise God, I'm led that way, we'll do it. Affliction comes, if you can endure it, you'll have the victory. When persecution comes, if you've developed joy, and you know how to use the force of joy in your heart, what will happen? The joy will cause the spirit of glory to rest upon you, and the persecution that comes shall be overcome. Okay, peace is another fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that right? We are told to allow the peace of God to what? Rule in our hearts. Go there to Colossians, the third chapter. We're going to get into it. We might as well do it now. I don't want to go this way, but we're going to do it right now. Colossians, the third chapter. All right. We'll just go backwards, that's all. In Colossians, the third chapter, let's take a look at verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The word rule. Underline the word rule. In the Greek it means, act as an umpire, direct or control. To rule in deciding matters. To act as an umpire. To direct, to control, to rule in deciding or in the decision of matters. The Bible says in Romans 5, 1, we're being justified by faith. We have what? We have peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We have peace in our spirit. Isn't that right? We've got the peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. Let not your heart 
be troubled. A lot of people allow their heart to be troubled because they do not allow the peace of God to rule in their heart. Let the peace... Now listen what that word rule means. Let it be your direction. Let it be your guidance. Let it be the one to control and motivate you in the decisions you have to make. People want to be led by the Spirit of God, but they're not being motivated or controlled by the peace that's in their heart or should be developed in their heart. Why isn't it? Because they didn't take the time to plant that seed and develop that seed and let that plant grow up. Let the peace of God grow in your heart. How do you do that? Isaiah 26, 3 says this. Thou will keep him in perfect what? Wait a minute. Not just peace. Can you imagine that when you have perfect peace in your heart, that every decision you have to make will be directed by the peace of God that's in your heart? You'll have perfect direction in your life. Perfect direction. Perfect peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. That's only through his word. Let's back all the way up to the fruit of the Spirit. Like I said, we're getting it. We're going to get it all out now. Praise God. The first one is what? Love. Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience. Okay? Love. You'll find it in the same thing in the parable. He said the Word is to be rooted and grounded in... Well, the first part of that parable said that they have no root in themselves. What is the Word to be rooted in? Rooted and grounded in love. Now look at he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He's talking about bearing fruit. Remember John 15, verses 1 through 7? He talks about us being in, in the vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and we're to bear what? Fruit. What fruit are we supposed to bear? The fruit of love, the fruit of joy, peace, patience. Stop right there. Love. If the love is developed in your heart, you have a place to root and ground the Word, the seed. If the joy is developed in your heart, when the affliction comes, or when the persecution comes, rather, then you're able to stand against that persecution with releasing joy from your heart. And when you do, the Spirit of glory will come upon you, just like Paul, and just like Silas, and just like Peter, and just like John, when they were persecuted. What did they do? They knew how to release the force of joy, the fruit of joy, which is a spiritual force. Okay. Peace, love, joy, peace. When the peace is developed in your heart, this peace of God is developed, the fruit of peace is developed, is taken care of, and you begin to bear the fruit of peace, then you're going to have total direction, perfect direction, by the Holy Spirit in your heart in all the matters of life. In other words, when you have the cares of this world coming upon you and you've got two different frames of reference, it distracts you, it draws your attention away from the Word of God, it gives you two frames of references, okay? Which one will you take? The peace puts you in the right path. The peace will direct and guide you into the right frame of reference. If you're searching your heart, but if you're not developing these forces in your spirit, man, then you're not going to follow the right path. Can you see that? You won't follow the right one. That's why most people get off and say, well, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, I've tried it, but it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work by trying it. You must develop these fruit in your spirit first. Go to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. See, we're not talking about seeking riches and seeking all the things that are in this world. We're talking about seeking the kingdom of God, which is where? In your heart. That's what we're talking about. If you're going to seek the kingdom of God, you're seeking spiritual forces. Isn't that right? You're seeking the things of the Spirit of God in your spirit. If you're going to bear the fruit of all these things that we're talking about, there'll be no problem in this life. That's why the Lord says that these things will be added unto you if you seek righteousness and the kingdom of God. Look at First Timothy 6. When we get into the lust of other things, which is the last one we want to talk about, we'll get to it probably in a minute. We're talking about the earthly things. But now we're told of the Lord to lust after the godly things. Let's go up here to verse 
11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Now, he's talking about the lust of other things. Flee these things and follow after what? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Notice then he says, fight the good fight of faith. The fight that you're fighting is to develop the force of righteousness, the force of love, the force of patience, the force of peace, the force of joy, all these forces. That's what you're seeking after. That's the fight that you're fighting. If I could just develop these spiritual forces in my spirit, faith developed in my spirit, love, and all that he's mentioning here, if I could just develop these spiritual forces in my inner man, then he can do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think according to the power that's working within me. Why? Because when all the other things come against me, the persecution's coming, the affliction's coming, the cares are coming, the lust is coming, the deceitfulness of riches is coming. When it comes, I am developed, entire, wanting nothing, because I have developed every spiritual force in my life to overcome all the forces of darkness that are coming against me. That's it. But don't think you could just come to one church service and then leave the next day and say, I've got it all. It's not going to work that way. Do you know how long it takes for a seed to produce? you know how long it takes for an apple seed to get to, a, to the place that it actually bears apples? It don't take a month and it don't take a year. It takes quite a while. I don't know exactly. Maybe there's a farmer out there. I don't know how long, but it, that doesn't happen the first year. It takes a long time, doesn't it? Well, the Word in every area, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, it's going to take time to be developed in your spirit. But if you'll faithfully do it, let's go back to Mark 4. I've got to, we've got to get this in. There, you, know, well, you know what's wrong? I always want to give the answer. One thing I purposed in my heart, I said, Lord, when I teach, I don't want to let people hang. No, everything he said was good, but how do you do it? That's how people walk off and say, everything sounded good to me, but how do I do it? How do I do it? How do I do it? I said, I want to tell him how to do it. Here's how to do it. Glory to God. Mark 4. This is how you do it. And we're going to see how to bear fruit. We may get back to lots of other things some other time. <laughs> Verse 26. So is the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God. So is the kingdom of God. This is it. This is how it is. If a man, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now the man is you. And the ground is your heart. If a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring up. You know it doesn't do it after one day. Sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. The farmer puts his seed out, goes to bed, gets up, goes to bed, gets up, goes to bed, gets up, looks out back there. He sees there's still dirt, goes to bed, gets up. What are you looking at? I've got some plants back there. I don't see any plants. Where are they coming from? I know it's not how. All I know is I put the seed in that ground back there, and you watch. You watch. It's going to grow. I don't have to understand it. He's saying your spirit is the same way. If you'll take the Word, put it in your heart, keep it in your heart, go to bed, get up, what do you mean this is the greatest day that the Lord has made? Forget it. Just keep saying it. Take the Word of God, put it in your heart. Go to bed. Take the Word of God. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. You know it, not how, but your spirit man begins to develop the force of love. Let's, let's start with love. Let's just start right there. Love endures long. 
Love is patient and kind. Love is never envious. It does not boil over jealousy. I'm not boastful. I'm not vainglorious. I don't display myself hardly. I'm not conceited. I'm not arrogant. I'm not inflated with pride. I'm not rude. I don't act unbecomingly or unmannerly, etc., etc., etc. That is the seed of God's love in your heart. It works no ill towards his neighbor. Love is the fulfilling of the law. It abhors that which is evil and cleaves to that which is good. So therefore, I do all these things. Okay? You say, those are mighty big words for a little old fellow like you. Some little seed, too. But if you'll keep planting that seed and keep it in the ground, one day you're going to see something happen. If you'll do that, what I just said right there for about three months, faithfully, every day, day in and day out, day in and day out, and keep on saying, I endure long, I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm never envious, I don't bore with jealousy, I'm not boastful of it, and just keep right on going. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I don't rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but I rejoice only when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. I'm ever ready to believe the best about every person. Amen? My hope is the fairest every circumstance in life. I endure everything. You know what that does to that affliction? Knocks it out the window. Without weakening, love never fails. Okay, so I do that day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. I know it's not how, but my spirit man begins to pick that thing up. And then all of a sudden, when you go walking off down the street and somebody kicks you in the shins, you don't scream at them. That's right. You just go, oh, God loves you. My wife planted some uh, plants out in front of the house and put them in the ground there, you know. Hallelujah. Put them in the ground there real nice. And when she did, somebody had come along and uh, pulled it out of the ground. So I said, uh, I looked over there and I saw her and I said, why is that thing out of the ground? Evidently, somebody had walked by and just grabbed that thing and just pulled it right out that she planted the thing inside the ground, you know, just to be destructive. And, of course, if you let your thoughts go, you might, you might say something you don't want to say. But if you keep on feeding your heart with the Word, the seed, I just looked at it and I said, well, Father, bless them. The Bible says, bless them that do wrong to you. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them. I said, glory to God. Hallelujah. I can put that thing back in the ground in a minute. Right? So bless them that do wrong to you. And you'll start to act like that in every area of your life. And when you start to act like the love of God, you have got the perfect ground to put the seed so it could be rooted in your heart. God's going to see that anything is done in His kingdom, in this world, it's that you love one another. That is the commandment of God, that you love not only those that do good to you, but you love those that do evil. That's what Jesus said to do. You have no thank if you do good to those that do good to you. But you have a great reward if you do good to those that do evil to you. Now, that's the characteristics of God. And if you'll do that, you'll develop. And he goes on to say here, look at, look at the next verse. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. So your spirit brings forth fruit. Your spirit brings forth the fruit by itself. But if you don't understand the process of it, friends, you're going to walk off and just turn the whole thing around and say, this doesn't work and it won't work for you. It will only in reverse. But if you'll just continue to speak that word and stay fast in the word and seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all the fruit of righteousness, then that word, your spirit, will begin to produce the fruit by itself. It takes no effort for that tree to produce the fruit once it's grown up fully. Isn't that right? It's automatic. Now you might be laboring to entering into that rest. You might be laboring to get your spirit man to grow up into these spiritual things. But once the laboring is done and you have entered into that rest, then in every area, love, joy, peace, patience, etc., your spirit man has developed to the degree that it 
fully, fully produces all the fruit of righteousness. And when it does, you know what's ready for happening? We could use it different ways, but I'm going to use it in its fullest meaning. Let's go on and read that. When the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest is come. You know what he's saying, friends? When you've grown to a place spiritually that you produce all the fruit of righteousness like Paul was doing, says, I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be independent. I've learned how to be self-sufficient in my own self through Jesus Christ. It's time to go home. It's time to go home. The harvest time has come. You have got to the place that you fully matured. And Paul says, well, you know, time for me to go. I, I might want to go or stay. I don't know, whatever I want to do. He says, I'll stay around a little bit longer just to help you people out. Remember he said that? When you go to that mature, mature state, that's what he's saying. You are now ready to go home. Because you have finished your course. You have become fully grown, fully mature. Notice he says it's 30, 600. Back up. For the earth bringeth forth fruit, this is verse 28, of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Now compare that to Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 4.20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100. Okay? He goes back here, he says, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. The blade, the ear, the full corn. Thirty, sixty, and a hundred. Now go to Romans twelve. Twelve, one and two. I want you to see something here. No, these things don't happen overnight. The whole kingdom operates on this principle in your life. If you want to be healed, if you want to be delivered, all these things, whatever it is, that's how the principles of the kingdom of God work. In Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good. Okay, stop there. All right, that good. First the blade, good. You're going to start off in this thing this way. Good. The word good means to be beneficial. Good. Thirtyfold. Beneficial. Good. The blade. Then he said, after the good, the acceptable. The acceptable is pleasing. Beneficial, pleasing. Okay. Beneficial, pleasing. The latter part, which is 60-fold, the latter one is perfect. You know what that word means? Fully grown, mature, complete. Fully grown, mature, complete. Fully grown, fully developed, mature, complete. Producing a hundredfold. Now, you've got to start from scratch. You've got to get love. And you've got to start to plant the seed of love in your heart. You've got to develop it. 30, 60, 100. You've got to get joy. People are seeking all the other things, but they're not seeking God. You've got to seek Him. God is love. God is, he, he is. He is light. He's life. But God is, and His characteristics are love, joy, peace. If you find all these things out, find out what love is about. Plant it in your heart. Find out what joy is about. Plant it in your heart. Find out what peace is. And so on and so forth. Go through all the fruit of the Spirit. You develop those fruit inside your spirit. And once you develop them, your heart will be ready to begin to produce all the other things you possibly need in your life. If you'll diligently seek these things, he said, the kingdom of God, His righteousness, all the rest will be added unto your life. Added to you. That's what he meant by it. Why will it be added? Because you'll be just like Paul said. I am sufficient. I know how to believe God. I can do all things through Jesus Christ. Because he developed the forces of God in his spirit. And Proverbs 4.23 4.20, rather said, if you read right on 4.20, right on through 22, keep your heart or protect your heart diligently, for out of it are the issues of life. 
If you'll put these things in, how do I keep my heart? Through the peace of God. We'll keep my heart. Through God's peace. And we're going to see tonight that that's in wisdom. We're going to see tonight that if we'll faithfully and diligently take these spiritual forces and put them first into our heart, then all the other things that you need, all the other, no, name it, name it, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. If you'll put these things in your heart, your heart will be the perfect rich soil, the perfect ground to produce anything else that you need in this life. And those things will be so secondary to you, it'll be just like this. The blessings will come upon you and overtake you. The blessings of God will come on you and overtake you. You'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out because those things, you won't even know when the drought comes, it says. You won't even be aware of it. You're so busy in righteousness, in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, in goodness. You can endure all things to the end so that all the other things that come against you are secondary. But I think those that get in the faith walk, what they do is they put the materialistic things up first. And they shouldn't do that. I hear people talk about faith, and you know what they say? Well, I can get this car. I can get that. I can do this. I can get this. Listen, friends, I'm not saying anything against that. God will supply all your need. Where's your desires at? My desire when I first got saved was this. I desire to have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of your holy word that I could take your word and help other people. That was my desire. All the other things bad under you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.